Who are you calling a fool? You know, Jesus responds to a question. And um, the question um, is this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Isn't it amazing that um, people and family members all seem to appear suddenly when the word inheritance is mentioned? Isn't it amazing? Um, Only this week I was having coffee with a friend. He told me about a a man who worked uh, as a gardener over in Epping Green. And he said that this man, um, this man was a tight-fisted man, he said. Very tight-fisted. He said that, you know, if, um, if he can get a tin of paint 50 pence cheaper down the road, he would drive five miles to get it. He didn't believe in the banks. He kept all his money in a tin in his shed somewhere. Over 20,000 pounds he saved. Well, my friend told me this week, that this man died at age 75. Just died, just like that. And out of nowhere, two of his brothers turned up. They went over to his house, they cleared his whole house out of everything valuable in his house, they took with him. And they found the 20,000 pound in the shed. Isn't that amazing? Family members you don't see, people you don't speak to, when the word inheritance is mentioned, it's amazing how they just turn up right out of the blue. And there they are. I knew a woman, a lovely woman. She was getting old, had four children. Nobody really cared for her. But I visited her. She's a lovely lady. But the four kids were rubbing their hands because the, nine, the time was getting close for her to, you know, to, to disappear, to expire. And she did expire. Before you know, not only were the children there, the grandchildren, people I never saw before in my life, was all around the place because the word inheritance was mentioned. Well, Jesus had this man turn around and he said, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And this is what Jesus' first response was. He said this, watch out, he said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Be on your guard, he says, against all kinds of greed because life does not exist or life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. I told a a story last week of this ring-tailed monkey over in Africa. And this ring-tailed monkey cannot be caught, cannot be um, captured very easily, but the Zulus know how to catch the ring-tailed monkey. And they take the melon, and they put a little tiny hole in the melon, just big enough for the monkey to get his hand into. Because the monkey loves the seed that's in the center of the melon. So when the monkey slides his hand into the center of the melon, it grabs as many seeds as possible until his hand is nice and fat. But then he can't pull his hand out. Silly monkey, if he let go of the melon, the seeds, 
He can get out quite easily. But no, he grabs so much that he can't let go, can't get out. And the trappers and the other people come along and they kill the monkey. Greed. Get in your hand on as much as possible. And Jesus says, be on your guard. Watch out. A man's life does not consist of the abundance. Now, isn't that going against the flow of our society? Isn't that going against the flow of our world? You know, our world says, your life consists. If you're in a three-bedroom house, look towards moving to a four-bedroom. If you've got a four-bedroom house, look towards living in a five-bedroom. In fact, you know, you walk, you're driving along some of these houses and down some of these roads. There's two old people knocking around in a seven-bedroom house. But their life consists of the abundance of what they have. But Jesus said, no, watch out for that. Watch out for all kinds of greed. And to illustrate this, Jesus brings out a parable. He brings out a story. And we want to move through the story very slowly because there's things in that that Jesus just brings out. So he speaks about a rich man, and this is what he says. He told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. The ground of a certain rich man. I want you to just stay here for just for a moment. Because a rich man didn't produce anything, you see. The Bible says the ground of a certain rich man. The ground, the seed that was sown in the ground needed the rain to fall on it, needed the sun to shine on it, needed to have the right type of soil, and the right type of conditions caused the crop to grow. Man had nothing to do with it. Man had no part in it. It was totally, completely all about God's creative order. God himself had everything to do with the producing of a good crop. And this rich man had nothing to do with it. Let me just say this. Although we don't live in a farming culture, we don't live in an agricultural culture, we need to put food in these bodies. If you don't put any food in your body, you ain't doing nothing, anything, you're not going anywhere. Call me old-fashioned if you want to. You may well call me old-fashioned. I'm getting to that stage where you can call me old-fashioned. Call me old-fashioned if you want to. But every time we sit around the table for something to eat, I bow my head. My family bows their heads. And we give God thanks for the food. I think many people, even Christians, don't really do that very often. They just get straight into what's in front of them and they don't necessarily stop and just say, God, thank you so much for the food you have provided. We think, we townies, we think that food just comes straight out of Tesco's. That's where the food is. I remember a few um, days ago, I was making a um, fruit salad. And as I was making a fruit salad, I was opening it up and I thought, oh, these blueberries come from Morocco. 
And then I got hold of the strawberries, and oh, these strawberries were ripened in Spain. Then I pulled over um, the grapes, and I looked at the grapes, and they were from France. They were um, from a, a vineyard in France. Then I grabbed hold of the bananas, and I realized that the bananas were shipped in from the Caribbean. And I thought to myself, all these foods, God himself provided. And this is a point that I want to just hold on for. You know, I want you to understand this point because there's nothing you can do to make yourself earn anything. You need the provision of God daily, the food of God daily to keep your strength and sustenance so you can go out and earn what you earn. And it's time for people to stop and say, I'm here because God is keeping me here. I'm breathing this morning because God has given me the breath to breathe. I'm living in this country because God has placed me in this this very spot where I'm living. And I'm going to give him thanks for my life. Can I get an amen for that? I need to give God thanks. And you know, when you start being thankful to what God has given, you're more willing to say, Lord, what can I give? What can I give? I'm so thankful that you've given me so much. What can I give to others? And this is what the Lord is saying. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. You need to have it. And you need to be able to say, God, I want to be able to give. So I want you to see that as as the first thing in this parable. And the parable moves on. The second thing I want you to notice about this parable is how the man in this story promotes himself. Look at the Bible reading, and I'm going to emphasize a certain word in that. Look what it says here. He thought to himself, verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things stored up for yourself. I like the old version. Soul, he says. You have everything all lined up for you. It's all about I I, 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 in this parable. This man stops seeing God's provision and he starts seeing he himself only. Stop seeing what God has done and the focus has turned upon himself. Do you know how to spell the word sin? It's quite amazing. I seem to be in the center that little tiny word sin S-I-N Jesus is speaking about greed here but you can take any sin any sin and you will put I first talk about adultery lying, deceiving gambling, pornography whatever you take and you place you put yourself in the center of things, it becomes all about 
I. And when you're handling money which God has provided for you, often you think to yourself, it's my money. It's all about me. I need to be looked after first. Instead of saying to God, God, thank you for the wealth that you've given me. But it belongs to you, oh God. What do you want me to do with it? In this parable, Jesus presents two types of gods in this parable. The first God I already mentioned to you, the God that creates heaven and earth. But also the God of money is mentioned here as well. The God of wealth. And Jesus later on turns around and says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I want you to hear this this morning. Jesus turned around and says, you know, you will either despise and hate one and be loved and loving and devoted to one. It's either one or the other. You know, I don't know anyone who hates money. I don't know anyone. I thought one person said, I hate money. I don't know anyone who, who hates money. Can't stand it. Causes quarrels and fights and, and, and nastiness. And, and all it does is open up doors for people to go and do more wickedness. I don't know anyone who hates money. Everybody loves it. But Jesus turns around and says, how about me? Do you know anyone who hates me? Do you know anyone who despises me? I know a lot of people who hate and despise the God who gives them the ability to go and earn. They hate him, despise him, reject him constantly. But Jesus turns around and says, it's not surprising because you cannot have two masters. You cannot have two gods. You need to have only one God. And if you claim that the Lord is your God, if you claim that Jesus died for your sins, if you claim that Christ is the one that you love, then you need to serve him. And everything else comes under his lordship. I heard someone speaking the other day and they said, you know, Jesus is Lord and Saviour. And, you know, we like the saviour bit because that means that we're saved from our sins. Hallelujah. It means that I'm not longer, I'm saved from going to hell. I'm saved from, um, from, a, from, 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 from God's judgment. I'm saved from eternal separation from him. I'm saved. Jesus is my saviour. Hallelujah. I mean, like that. He is our, our saviour and we look forward to meeting him one day. And that's good. But we don't like the Lord. Oh, the Lord is a bit of a difficult one. He's Lord. Lord of my life. Lord of my leisure. Lord of my finances. Lord of my family. Lord of my workplaces. Lord of my home places. He is Lord. We think, oh, I don't know about that too much. I like this, but I don't know about that. But I don't want to tell you, he is Lord and Savior. You cannot have two gods. 
and you claim to be a lover of God and you claim to be someone who is worshipping the Lord, then he must become first and everything else comes under his lordship. Even, as Jesus is speaking here, even your money, your purses, your wallets, they come under his lordship. Jesus cries out that verse again. Let me just quote it to you again. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So I want you to see that. Another thing I want you to see in this passage this morning. But God saying to this man, God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Why is God calling this man a fool? Every time I think about that word fool, that black guy from the 18 comes into my mind. You know, the guy with the snicker bar, you know, and the big fat chains in his necks. You fool. But fool, here's God, and he's calling somebody a fool. Why is God calling this man a fool? Well, he calls this man a fool for two reasons. The first reason is this. This man has no control over the day he will die. Job, in the Old Testament, says this. Naked I came into the world, and naked shall I come out. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Job knew He has no control on the date of his departure from this world. That's why God calls him a fool. In fact, we need to be like the psalmist. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 90. I think I might miss that one psalm. um, Psalm 90 says this. Let me just find it for you because it's not going to be on the screen. Psalm 90. And it says this, verse 12. Teach us, or teach me, to number my days aright, that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. In other words, Lord, teach me to understand that I have a certain amount of time on this earth. I have a certain amount of days on this earth. And they might be longer than others, but overall they're going to be short. Lord, teach me how to number my days. Why? So I may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, that I might be able to say to myself, Lord, I know that my time is limited, but therefore I don't want to waste even a day. I don't want to waste the time. I don't want to waste my time doing ridiculous, stupid things. I want to be engaged in sin and wickedness. Lord, teach me how to number my days because I know that my days are short. Give me a heart of wisdom. And that's what God wants for the young and old alike. I think people think they're going to be here forever on this earth. 
The way people live, they think they're never going to expire. They're never going to die. They're always going to be around. Craziness. We drive past cemeteries and graveyards and they're always full. Never empty. But people think they're going to be around forever. And yet the Bible says, Lord, teach me. Teach me how to number my days. Help me to understand that I'm, I've got a short time. And yet, Lord, I need wisdom to know how to live for you. And that covers all the areas of your life. Teach me to number my days, Lord. Because I'm with my children now. And my children are going to grow up. And, and, and I'm going to be separated from them. But teach me how to love them now. And not waste my time ignoring my children. Teach me how to love my husband. Teach me how to love my wife. Teach me how to be a good student. Teach me how to be a good employer. Lord, teach me now because I know my time is short. And I want to be the best man, the best woman that you would want me to be. But not only that, thinking about our time is short... A wise man often will make a will for his children. He would want to leave an inheritance. A wise man will want to have life insurance. And that's all good. All good. Maybe you've already ticked those boxes. Yep, will done. Life insurance done, inheritance done for my family. You've got all these boxes ticked. That's all brilliant, and you need to be thinking like that. But also, a wise person will turn around and say, what is my inheritance going to be in glory? I've sorted things out here, but what is my life going to be like when I reach those gates? When I reach the judgment seat of God, what is going to be my standing? Am I prepared for that? We need to be able to turn around and say with the Apostle Paul, when he turned around and said, for me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm not going to lose anything when I die, but I'm going to gain so much more when I do die that I'm going to be in the very presence of the living God. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. That is the man, the wise man. He might have a will prepared. He might have an inheritance prepared. He might have life insurance, but also he's saying to God, Oh God Almighty, I long to be in your presence. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Not only that, the man who speaks like that is a man who turns around and says, as it says in Hebrews, instead they were looking for a better country. I'm telling you, I am looking for a better country. It's not Canada or Australia. It's not over in America or in the Caribbean. Those countries might be attractive in certain areas, but they're not a better country. There's a whole heap of people trying to get into Great Britain, and we're trying to get out. But um, I want to tell you there's a better country, a heavenly one, a heavenly country. And look what the Word of God says. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he, God, has prepared 
a city for them. God himself has been doing the building. God himself has been doing the architectural work. God himself has been setting the stones in place. God himself has been making a city ready for you. Oh my goodness. Thank you for that hallelujah. That's amazing. I didn't even prepare that, man. That's just amazing revelation. God is preparing a city. So the wise man and the wise woman who handles their money wisely will say, I've got my will sorted out. I've got my life insurance all paid up. I've got an inheritance for my children, but that is not enough. I want to make sure that I'm standing right for God. I want to prepare my eternal destiny. I want to make sure my sins are forgiven. I want to make sure that I've repented and turned from wickedness. I want to make sure that God is the Lord of my life. I want to make sure that I'm walking in righteousness. That's what I want to make sure of. Because I want to make sure that when I come before him, I will hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Finally, just one more point that I want you to notice in this parable as I close. God calls this man a fool. God calls this man a fool because he's not rich towards God. Look what what Jesus says. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Storing up things for yourself And so you're rich according to the economy of this world. You're rich and you're wealthy according to the eyes of men. You might be on the rich list that maybe Times Magazine put out. You might be looking at the lottery winners and you see them, you know, drinking their champagne saying, oh, what a wonderful man or woman, they won nine million pounds. And you're looking at that the next time, I'm going to be that that, that lottery winner. And, and, And you're concentrating on what the world considers wealthy and richness. And you say, aren't they lucky? But God says, are you rich towards me? Are you rich towards me? Jesus speaking to a church. And it's a church he's speaking to. He's not speaking to the lottery winners who don't call the church. He's speaking to those in the church. And he says this to them in Revelation. You say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. And I do not need a thing. You say... I drive a nice car. I live in a nice house. I've got all my bank account money all lined up. I've got my offshore account with David Cameron all hidden away somewhere. I've got myself all covered up. I'm good. You say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. It's okay what you say. And you can carry on saying that for as long as you want. But what does God say? That is the question. What is on God's heart? I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what you're looking like driving around in vehicles and and, and fancy clothes. All that things are, are, are of the world. The thing is, what is God saying? Surely that's why we're here. To hear what God is saying. And God turns around and he says this. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, 
naked. I can just hear sinful men, unspiritual men and women saying, what? Me? I'm not wretched. I'm not pitiful. I'm not poor. I'm not blind. I'm not naked. Look at me. I've got the finest designer wear on. Look at me. I've got the finest shades from whoever on. Look at me. I'm looking so, 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 so trim and wonderful. How can you say that I'm wretched and pitiful? But God says, in my economy, it's different than your economy. When I look at you, I see something different. You may look at other people and see something else, but when I look at you, says God, I see something different, and I see that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I love the way the Lord speaks God is so wonderful. God doesn't just give you that without giving you a solution. He doesn't say, you know, this is the problem. I'm not going to tell you how to get it fixed. But God shows you how to get it fixed. And he turns around and says, this is what I do. Listen, I counsel you. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Come to me, says the Lord. Come to me for true richness. Come to me and leave your your finances and your wealth. Leave that behind. But can you come to me? The finances and the wealth are useful. And they're wonderful to you for my kingdom. But you yourself, you come to me and I will give you true riches. Gold and clothes and eyes that can see. What is he talking about? He's talking about a life where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. That's why I've come. To give you real life. This life that we see out there, that's not real. That's fake. That's phony. It's like Hollywood. And it's like, 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 like the place in the desert somewhere in America. Las Vegas. Completely fake. But the real life is when God pours his spirit into you and gives you a real life. In closing, there was a man who was a missionary. He was in his early 20s when he died. Early 20s, and he died maybe over 100 years ago or so, maybe longer than that. He was a great missionary, went out to preach to some Indians, and they killed him. But he said these words, his name was Jim Elliot. And he said these words, this is what he says. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me say that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. Everything that you have, you cannot keep it. But he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain 
what you cannot lose. And what God has for you and what God has given you, you cannot lose it. And that is what you're going to gain. And he is no fool. But God turns around and says to the man in our day, you fool because you're storing up things for yourself, but you're poor towards me. But this man, Jim Elliot, says a man is no fool if he just gives away what he cannot keep. To gain, praise be to God, eternal life to gain the presence of God to gain forgiveness to gain his pardon to gain everything the Lord has for me I'm not going to lose it in fact I like what Jesus says that no one can snatch you out of my hand that's how secure I am in God who are you calling a fool who is God calling a fool? I would never have the audacity or the brashness to call anyone a fool. But God says to men in our day, you fool. Pray that it won't be you. But you will be a man or woman who are seeking to be wise in these days. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for what Jim Elliot said. He gave his life in preaching the gospel. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Father, my prayer is that you will be Lord over every area of our lives. Even the areas of our wallets and our purses, our money, our bank accounts. May we subject them to your authority and to your lordship. And if it be your will, Father God, for us to give, help us to do it with joyful hearts. Hearts that are full of praise and worship to you. And not giving, Lord, because we are expecting you to give anything back to us. For you have given us so much already. Oh, Father, the very breath that we breathe is from you. And for that we give you thanks and praise, oh God. But help us more than that. To prepare for heaven. To make sure that we're standing in right relationship with you. That we'll bring honour and glory to your son. The Lord Jesus. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.